0: Thank you for tuning into What's the Wi-Fi Passer, a place where we have discussions about topics and issues that are relevant to the teens in our generation and how to point them towards the gospel. If you have any questions or would like to learn more about this podcast, please email joshuashively at joshuas at calvary.com.
1: James, we've actually rocked it pretty, pretty well. We've been moseying on through it. Um, I'm kind of debating what I want to do in the new year. Of course, December is going to come and we're going to do some Christmas time. Hey, couch hoppers in the back. Noah, elbow in the face. You can elbow Caleb in the face and he keeps talking. So, um, yeah. um, so with January coming around, right, I, I'm kind of praying about what to do. i have got quite a few of you guys leaving this next summer. And so I'm kind of debating, like, what am I going to teach? You know, what am I going to teach kind of January through August? And even some of you are leaving in June, right? So I'm I'm praying about th- praying about doing Genesis and kind of busting through Genesis, kind of doing a quicker topical, and then finishing with Revelation, right? The first half of the year. And so I'm thinking about doing that, doing like a beginning of the Bible and the end of the Bible, um, because like as a youth pastor, I like to you know you look at okay if I have a kid for four years, right? If I have a kid for four years, what's up, Kiana? I was
0: about to say Revelations is the one uh,
2: book that has never been taught at the youth all my time being here.
1: Really. Jamie, do you remember anyone anyone ever teaching Revelation? Yeah, yeah. No, we've we've done it. Yeah? Well, not when Keanu's here. No, okay. But like Gersandi did? Did George ever do it? Yeah. (laughs) I asked him.
2: Not not all the way through. Okay. Not all the way through. Yeah.
1: So, I would love to teach you seniors Revelation. It's a fun book to teach. Fun book to study. (laughs) Not Gersandi did? Okay. So, I'm kind of praying through that so you guys can pray for me. Because I know there's quite a few of you guys going to be leaving you know come june um and it's gonna be changing our dynamics of our youth group quite a bit we get that new load of eighth graders up and so it'll be a lot of fun um but yeah you guys been enjoying james you guys been enjoying this yeah. has it been good um yeah it's been uh has it been different from the way you guys have studied it before have you guys like been enjoying the way we have been teaching it and kind of going through it do you guys enjoy the other teachers yes. reed and meg and erica and tate Did you guys enjoy that yeah, yeah, Eva. Man, I'm going to tell Tate. (laughs) Um, All right, guys. All right. Well, I want to keep teaching that way, even if we go through from Genesis to Revelation, do that kind of kind of book cap. What are we doing, Erica? Okay. Um, Don't be getting cream on my on my uh, beanbag. Cream.
2: There's no cream. Okay.
1: Good. only in youth group can I say that. Um, all right, so, really? Really, Keanu? To the pure, all things are pure, big guy. Okay, let's just stop there. Um, all right, so, anyway. James chapter 5, it's been a great time studying through it. I've enjoyed it. I know my, my leaders who have taught, have enjoyed it. Hopefully you guys have too. Uh, so let's finish this thing. Sound good? Yeah? yeah? All right, pray with me. Father, we come before you. We just thank you, Lord, again, for your grace and your mercy. And what you continue to do in us and through us as we study books like this, as we find out what it means to be practical in our faith and real in our faith and and allow this faith to be living within us, not just by by word, but by works, Lord. So we just thank you so much for this time. Thank you for just how real your word is. We ask and pray, Lord, that you would just even speak to us tonight, that your spirit would do a work in your name. amen.
2: Amen.
1: All right, guys. So up to this point in James, we've been cruising through and and it's, hopefully you can see the book of James in a, in a way where, where um, it can kind of be taught kind of sections. You know, it'd be really easy to go to a chapel at Trinity High and take any section from the book of James, right? Or if you go to a camp, like basically any camp teacher could take one section out of the book of James and just kind of teach that one section, and, and they can really be used like that. But the, the benefit of going through a book like this, as we have, kind of verse by verse, section by section, is that you can get the big picture. You can really see what's happening. That James isn't just sectioning out certain types of Christians, but yet he's calling all of us and, and to, to a deeper understanding and a real faith, a living faith. That we wouldn't just be these zombies walking around or these kind of half-hearted or half-living Christians, but we would be truly living and thriving Christians. And hopefully not just taking this in sections, like kind of like piece by piece, but kind of as a whole... You would see in here like yourself through each section. It'd be easy to read about the rich man and be like, oh yeah, that's for rich people. <laughs> or it'd be easy to, to like read about someone that doesn't give to the poor, or doesn't help out, you know, to a charity and be like, oh yeah, that's those people. I, I serve in children's ministry. But hopefully, as you read through a book like this, you see like, no, I'm in each one of these sections. Because of my sin nature, because of my my tendency as a Christian to, to backslide and to, to go to a place of isolation and go to <laughs> I'm confused
2: because I decided to pick the messiest thing and I don't have enough napkins so I just feel like I don't know what to do pick the (laughs) box. (laughs) pick (laughs) the (laughs) I'm <laughs> sorry. <laughs>
1: Elijah, love you, man.
2: Wish I could All right. I wish I could Okay. I know he's joking. I know he's
1: joking. Okay. Whew. Okay. Hmm. So, hopefully, we can see ourselves in these sections, right? Every one of them, right? Every one of them, that we can, that we can seriously like look at each part of James and go, yeah, that's. That's part of who I am. That, that I have the tendencies to be uh, you know, stingy with my money. I have the tendency to not want to give to some type of charity. I have the tendency to use my tongue unwisely and unglorifying to God. I, I can totally see myself being partial or, or sh- showing partiality to, to certain type of Christians or certain type of people. Uh, I can be unloving to my brothers and sisters in Christ. I can, I can be uncompassionate. I can not show mercy. I can not show grace. I can... I could be a lot of those things, and my tendencies, and Josh Shively, and my flesh away from Christ. Um, I'm everything that James rebukes us from and tells us to, to run away from. I mean, even to the point where James says, "Flee from God or flee from the devil, and he'll flee from you. Draw near to God, and he'll draw near to you." I mean, how many times in a day can we can we have that debate, that fight within us, where we're being called to draw near to God, and he's saying, "If you do that, I'll draw near to you." And in that same word, like, flee from the devil and he'll flee from you. I mean, how much do we have that battle, that debate, that, that fight within us? And how many times do we not listen? So my heart is that, that as we've read this practical book, that this writer from 2,000 years ago, this, this man who, who knew Jesus and was this pastor over the church in Jerusalem, that we would read this and go, yeah, he's speaking to me. He's speaking to my tendencies, to my sin nature. So as we finish this book tonight, verse 13 down to verse 20, he basically just kind of ends it. It's just this abrupt ending. But really, would you think it would end any other way from this very practical man that's like, all right, I told you what I got to tell you. Now do it and let's move on. (laughs) It's like, it's not about messing around. It's not about this big salutation or this big like, oh, this might happen. And if the Holy Spirit moves, maybe I'll do this. And, you know, I have all this vision. It's just like, no, be practical in your faith and do what you need to do. So he starts out in verse 13 tonight as we finish this section. It says, Is anyone among you suffering? Let him pray. Is anyone cheerful? Let him sing praise. Is anyone among you sick? Let him call for the elders of the church. Let him pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith will save the one who is sick and the Lord will raise him up. And if he has committed sins, he will be forgiven. So James starts out this section by asking three questions. If any one of you is suffering, if any one of you is cheerful, if any one of you is sick. Now again, he's speaking to Christians, mature Christians. That's the hope that James, as he writes this letter, that he's not talking to babies. Right? He's not talking to immature Christians, but Christians who have walked this faith for some time. Who understand, in a sense, like, like what we should do as Christians. That you at least have some type of sense of, of what I should do, what my call is as this believer in Christ. I look at many of you, and many of you have been raised in the church. Many of you have been going to church since you were in children's ministry. So there should be, a, should be a sense inside of you of knowing what to do. There should be a sense inside of you of, of how I should walk as a Christian. And even if you came to Christ later in life or in middle school or in, in high school, like hopefully you've been going to this youth group long enough where you have some type of sense, some type of drive of what, it, what our act, acts should be as Christians. So as he asks these three questions, right, if you're suffering, if you're cheerful, and if you're sick, he then gives us the answer pretty quickly, right right after if you're suffering, you should pray. If you're cheerful or happy, you should sing praise. And if you're sick, you should ask someone to pray for you. <laughs> ask a more mature Christian to pray for you. That's kind of the obvious answer, isn't it? It's like being in children's ministry and what's always the answer? Kiana, what's always the answer in children's ministry? Jesus, Jesus, right? It's, it's, it's the simple answer. It's the real answer. And yet, we, it's so simple, it almost is like, no, there has to be more, right? There should be more, right? No, there shouldn't be. See, Christians, as we walk through this life, yes, there is a spiritual realm. There is, is a whole spiritual side to this walk that we should, we should be aware of and know of and, and not be naive to. But at the same time, most of your Christian walk day in and day out, as the sun rises and sets, as the tides come and go, as the seasons kind of circulate, as you grow older, as you walk in this faith day in and day out, you're going to be faced with just the practical steps of what it means to be a Christian of what it means to be more like Christ, of what it means just to take one step in front of the other, letting the Holy Spirit work in you so that you can be more like Christ as you grow and as you mature. And see, these, these, it's these little yeses, it's these little things that we say yes to, that we, we agree with God in and walk in this life with that help us grow in maturity. It's those little things that as you get older, you realize God's calling in your life. Many times when someone comes to me and says, "says I don't know what my calling is. I don't know what God's like purposes for my life. One of the things I ask him first is, well, have you prayed? And I know that's the obvious answer, but it's like, have you just said yes to God by praying? Have you, have you read his word? Have you sought any counsel from any older Christians that you may want to be like? Many times they answer no to those things. And yet those are the little things that, that help you find God's will that help you move closer to being like Christ and growing in that maturity. And so James asks those questions. They're very rhetorical. They are. And they're very much should be an obvious answer to you. And yet, how often do we not do those things? Right? I mean, how often do we do it? If you're suffering, and not just like suffering and pain, but you're going through a trial in life. Right? You're going through something harsh. We had the example of Denise breaks up with Caleb. Right? And like Caleb's just tormented, and he's like crying, and he's weeping. And like, what should he do? He should pray. Right? Right? He should pray. It's
2: just an analogy.
1: It is, yeah. (laughs) Right? Now let's get a little more serious. Something that happens in life, right? Your your parents, they separate. A friend of yours that you really love dearly like like turns his back on you or even stabs you in the back. You're going through a hard time in life. You're going through anxiety or fear or you, you have some type of depression happening. The most obvious answer is pray. The God that created you that wants to walk with you daily, that wants to draw you into maturity and wants to draw you into a deeper Christian walk and a living faith, is saying, I'm here for you. Like I said earlier, James said, draw near to God and he will draw near to you. And so the idea here is that the simple answer, the real answer is you should pray. And that term suffering is really any type. If you remember earlier in the passage, or in the book, James talked about that. During trials and tribulation, find it all joy. It's this idea that we're finding joy, we're finding peace in that, because we're praying. He also says, if you're sick, now this isn't just like a physical sick, right? but this is also, I'm sorry, if, if you're cheerful, right? if you're cheerful, you should praise. If you're cheerful, there's something going right in your life, if there's something going right in your walk, it's probably because of God's doing, not because of yours. I mean, honestly, when was the last time that, that something really awesome happened in your life and you just, said, you just said, yeah, God, thank you for that? You know, And hopefully that does come easily. Usually in my life, that comes a little bit simpler or easy, easy, easier than praying when I'm, when I'm mad and I'm suffering. <laughs> Usually when I'm mad and I'm suffering, I'm, I get frustrated and I want, you know, I want to control the situation. But when good things happen, we should praise. Kind of a flip side to that is, is as you walk in Christ and you see your brothers and sisters around you and you see them in a cheerful place, are you like, man, they suck. They're always happy. <laughs> right? Or are you going to them and man, hey, what can I praise God with you about? Like, what, what are you so happy about? What's going on in your life so I can like, be happy with you? The last one he says, if you're suffering, right, or if you're sick. And this isn't just a physical illness, this is a spiritual illness also. If you go back to the original Hebrew, it's what it, or the Greek, it's what it brings it to. Not just a physical sickness, but a spiritual sickness. So James says, let him, let him call for the elders of the church, more older, more mature Christians. And let them pray over him, anointing with oil in the name of the Lord. It's, a, it's the idea of confession. We talked about that in small groups. Hopefully you got to those questions. But the idea is that, that if you confess. Now, confession is just basically bringing from the darkness into light. That's It's root term. That's what it means. To bring from darkness into light. And yet it's so hard to do, isn't it? We like to hide things, right? We like to keep things kind of hidden and go, well, like maybe God knows about it, but I don't want anyone else to know about it. But the idea here is that you go to somebody more mature, not just age-wise, but, but, but even spiritual-wise, and confess to them these things that are making you ill. Right? Maybe it is a physical thing that's going on, but I believe James is, is alluding to more the spiritual nature. To go to a Christian, to go to an older Christian, man or woman, that you can confess to and let them know, like, this is happening in my life, I need prayer, I need to be anointed, I need to be delivered from this sin, from this ism, from this habit in my life. Now, I asked in small groups, do you like public confession or private confession? Did anyone say public? I didn't think so. But in the original term of this, James is actually alluding to a public... Oh, did you really,
2: Becca?
1: I didn't think so. Um, James is actually alluding to a public confession. Now, I liked how Keanu brought it up in our group of, of like sometimes at camps, you know, someone gets up and confesses and then like the next person gets up and tries to outdo that confession... And then it like kind of turns into this confession war of, like, like, who's going to have the best confession, right? Who's going to have the best, like, like you know, God showed me all of this. It can't, you know, anyway. Um, but it's a public confession. Now, don't get me wrong, okay? Like, what's going on in your life is sacred. What's going on in your life is, is between you and the Lord and that person that you can trust and you can d- depend on that will not just hear your confession and pray for you, but then hold you accountable. But there's something about public confession to in a safe place, right? Not in a place where you, you feel threatened or a place where you feel like you're going to be you know, turned on. But in, in a place, maybe it's your devotional group, right? Maybe it's in your small group. Maybe it's not just with that older Christian, but just other men or women, other young men or young women that you trust. That, that are walking life with you. There's a couple pastors that I confess to and I pray with. We try to talk to each other about every other week where these, are, these guys are about my age, and, and they're at my kind of spiritual maturity and level, like where we're at in life, in a sense. They've got a wife and some kids, and, and they've got victory over some of the sins that I've struggled with in my life. you know And where I have victory now, they have victory. And so we get together, we just, we just confess, and we just pray. And maybe it's something simple. Maybe it's just something simple, like this girl caught my eye at the gym. I, I looked a little too long. And that's not like this huge sin, but it's just something to confess so that it doesn't become this big sin. right? And it's this, this confession to somebody that, that I can just lay it out there. And these guys know me, and I know them, and it's, it's the idea that, that this is a safe place. So what James here is saying is, listen, these three questions he lays out, they, they are so obvious. But like, how often do we do them? How often do we go and do we ask for prayer? How often do we praise God for what's going on in our life? And how often do we ask someone mature and, and walking in Christ to really anoint us and to pray over us so that we can confess the things that are going on. In verse 15, he says, And the prayer of the faith will save the one who is sick. The Lord will raise him up. And if he has committed sins, he will be forgiven. Now, James isn't saying here if, if every time you pray, saying, if you say like, Lord, I pray in faith that that person will be healed. I've prayed in faith many times over men and women and they haven't been delivered in a sense from a sin nature that they go back to time and time again. But I also do believe that as James writes this, that he, he himself saw in Christ and he saw his, the other disciples be able to heal people. Not just from like demon possession or from a, a withered hand into a full hand, but I really do believe he saw as he walked as a Christian for many years and pastored it for many years, that he saw men and women who were in bondage to sin Maybe to addiction, or to sex, or to, to some sort of, of bondage in their life. And as they came to Christ, and they confessed those things, and they were prayed for and anointed, they then were set free and became this new creation. Personally, you guys, as I've walked with Christ, I would love to see a miracle, sure. I would love to pray for somebody to, to receive hearing, and, and actually see it happen. I remember at winter camp one year, I was, at high, I was a high schooler, we were at Windleaf, and we had this, this boy in our, our cabin, and he, was, he had a little bit of Down syndrome, and then he was deaf. And he asked through sign if we could pray for him and, and pray that he would receive hearing, hear, you know, his hearing so that he could hear the speaker. right? And I remember like laying hands on him as this high school boy going, should I stick my fingers in his ears like Jesus? I like, think I'm thinking like, if I do that, that's faith, right? That's faith. I didn't stick my fingers in his ears. Um, <laughs> what? Yeah, well, Jesus did it, so I, I don't know. Um, <laughs> what did Ellie say the other day? She was like talking about someone she's she's still having struggle, like like being mad at. We're like Ellie, just be Jesus to her. Be Jesus to this kid. She's like she's like, all right, yeah, I'll spit in the di- I'll spit in the dirt and shove mud in her eyes.
2: <laughs> I'm like, you are
1: horrible, Ellie. <laughs> I don't know where she gets this stuff. That was good though. That was good though, huh? Anyway, so. But the idea, I would love to see a miracle. I would. Like, I'm sure all of us in here would love to see something like we read from the Gospels, where a withered hand becomes whole, or a man who was crippled from birth with atrophied legs actually walked, and jumping, and leaping, and praising God. Like, I'm sure we would love to see that. But honestly, in my Christian walk, what I've gotten to see as men and women have done what, what James here is saying in verse 14 and 15, is I've seen men and women who have been set free from bondage, sinful, fleshly bondage, and, and let go of those habits, let's go of those natures, those addictions, and become new creations in Christ. Like, that is an amazing miracle. And that's something that I am so blessed and so humbled that I get to be a part of in ministry. Is that I get to see people, not just, not just like grown-ups, but young people, confess sins, confess struggles, anxieties, fears, habits, and watch you walk cleaner, watch you walk whole, watch you walk without chains wrapped around you. Because you've confessed those sins before, before not just me or my wife or your leaders, but before Christ, and you've walked new. This is what James is getting at here. It's something so like, obvious to us as Christians, isn't it? You've probably heard this before. You've probably heard this from another pastor before, what the, 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 the steps are. I'm sure if you've came to me and asked for prayer, I've, I've walked you through steps like this of, of how, to, how to be released from these bondages and these sins. But how often do we go to? And so James just wants to make it abundantly clear to us. As he finishes this letter, if you're in a place of suffering, first thing you should go to is prayer. Don't go to Instagram telling everyone about it. Right? Don't go to your bestie. Go to prayer. If you're, placing, if you're a place of joy and things are good in your life, have the perspective just to thank God. Heck, if you wake up tomorrow and you slept in a warm bed all night that was dry and comfy, you should just wake up praising God, guys. Honestly. Right? And if you're going to bed with a full stomach tonight, just praise God for that. It should just be like right out there. And then if you're in a place of sickness, spiritually, physically, you should go to a place of confession, and thanking the Lord for these things, and laying it before Him. It's obvious, but it's true. It's real. And we see this in Jesus' life, too. Many times Jesus, through the Gospels, talks about parables, doesn't He? Right? He tells us these stories. And sometimes those stories are like a little confusing. It's like, well, Jesus, what do you mean about that? Like, How is the kingdom of God, like this big old tree, and what does it mean about the birds in it? I thought birds were bad in the Bible. So like, what does this mean? But in like John chapter 17, you have to turn there now. but the idea, Jesus is, is about ready to go to the garden of Gethsemane. He's about ready to be betrayed by Judas. And he says this prayer in John 17. That is just so like real and practical. He basically just says, God, you sent me. <laughs> I did the work. I'm about ready to die on the cross. I'm going to die. Rise again. And I'm going to sit at your right hand, send your spirit to these guys so they can do the same. Like I mean, it's just such obvious prayer. It's just this practical prayer. I love it because in so many ways we can get way spiritual about this Christian walk, way spiritual about all these things that are happening. The devil's behind every bush, and I'm always being tempted by the devil. When it's like, no, it's you. Your sin nature. You're (laughs) tempting yourself. You're making stupid choices. Don't do that. The idea is that we can make it so spiritual, you guys. But but we need to remember how practical this life is. How practical this Christian walk is. That. Day in and day out, the sun is going to rise, the sun is going to set, and you and I are going to just walk each day as humans, these created beings on earth, making the choices to say yes to God, to pray when we need to, confess when we need to, and to keep maturing in faith. Knowing that in that faith, the Spirit's doing a work in us, even when we can't see it. You guys tracking with me? Yeah? All right. Very practical, very real. Verse 16, moving on. He then says, Therefore, so continuing this thought of, of... of this confession, right? Confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person has great power as it is working. Elijah was a man with a nat- nature, like ours. And he prayed fervently that it might not rain. And for three years and six months, it did not rain for, uh, on earth. Then he prayed again and the heavens gave rain and the earth, earth bore its fruit. So in verse 16, he's saying, this. therefore, continuing the thought, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you might be healed. Again, a very practical, just truth. This should be something that's highlighted in your Bible, something that you write down in your notebook. It's just this foundational truth that if we confess our sins to one another and we pray for one another, we're going to be healed. Not just, again, physically healed, but spiritually. Now, of course, you're saved by Jesus and him alone. You guys get that, right? You can't go confess to a priest and say a couple Hail Marys, right? If you just confess to me, that's not enough, right? You guys get that. Shake your head say, yes, Josh. We get that. Yes. Okay, okay. Salvation comes from Jesus, right? Believing in your heart, confessing with your mouth that he is Lord. The Bible says you will be saved, right? But what you continues to grow you as a Christian, what continues to, to mature you and move you on is this confession and prayer for one another. You guys have heard me talk about community before, correct? Our church is big on it. That's why we pour so much into life groups, right? That's why we, we, as a youth group, pour into small groups so much. That's why it's such a big chunk of our youth group, right? I love our D groups that happen every other Sunday between you young ladies and young men. That's community, right? You don't get to choose who shows up, right? Relationships, you do, right? You get to choose your friends on Instagram and on social media, right? You get to choose. I heard Liam got an Instagram. He got an Instagram. (laughs) Yeah, all right.
2: <laughs> yeah, yeah.
1: I'm teasing. I'm teasing, man. I'm teasing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <All right. laughs> Don't do it, Liam. Delete it, man. If you're convicted...
2: I want to. Then,
1: then, do it,
0: then do it, bro. Do it, man. I love
1: you guys, but I don't want it. Good. Okay. Anyway, so... <laughs> we'll talk after. We'll talk after. All right, We'll talk after. Bro. Talk after. All right. Um. Shoot. Sorry. No, it's okay. I did that. Um... Oh, community. We, don't get, we get to choose our friends, our relationships, but you don't get to choose who shows up here tonight. You guys don't get to choose who's sitting on the couch next to you or who I, I tell to sit between you and somebody else. Like you don't get to choose that, right? That's community. And that's what Jesus wants for us. That's what James is calling us to, this confession to one another, this prayer for one another. I mean, ask yourself, you guys, when was the last time you prayed for one another in this group? And when was the last time you you literally looked at someone and it could be from your devotional group or your small group and they they confessed something or they talked about a hard time and you prayed for them on your own accord, not just in your group, right? When Erica or your your small group leader is like, hey, let's pray now. But on your own accord from your prayer journal, you prayed for that person in your group. All right. This is what creates community. This is what creates maturity in you, right? It's not about what God's doing in that other person. It's what God's doing in you. Maybe you're having a hard time with someone in this youth group. Maybe their attitude or the way that they talk or the way that they, they look, the way they smell. I don't know. But maybe it's something, you're having a hard time. Have you ever prayed for that person? Prayed that God would not just like grow them but then change your heart for that person? All right? It's not about them. It's about you. James then gives us this example of Elijah. Right? Where actually he says, The prayer of a righteous person has great power as it's working. You guys, I'll be honest with you. I read a verse like that and I'm like, man, I don't even know if I'm close to that. I have no idea. Like, what does it mean to be a righteous person and have power in your prayer? Like, what what level do I have to get to, right? Like, I how do I level up to that righteous person who has power in my prayer? How do I know? Because I've prayed for people for years, right? Men and women that I would love to see come to Jesus and they haven't yet. I've seen kids in youth ministry through the years that I've prayed fervently for. My wife and I have wept over and prayed for and watched them walk away from the Lord. Right? Watch them go into a relationship we told them they shouldn't go into. Watch them get pregnant and have a child young and, and walk in a really hard way of life. Like I've watched this happen over and over again. I've watched divorces happen where, where husbands and wives who have been married for multiple years just say, I'm done, and they walk away through much prayer, through much counsel. So, so does that mean like my prayer isn't righteous? Like, does that mean I'm not a righteous man because I prayed, so it should work? Is that what it means? No. But what James here is calling us to, you guys, remember James' whole outline for this book is that our, our faith would be living and real. See, is it my job to make that person stay? Is it my job to make that husband or wife and convince them to stay with their spouse? Is it my job to, to change the heart of that young person who's going down that road that I know is going to cause them pain? It's not. I would destroy myself. I would have died a long time ago if I thought that was my job. See, you guys, I have to understand that the, jo- the, the, the Lord's job is to change that person's heart. It's the Lord's job. It's the working of the Spirit to bring that person back to salvation, to bring that person back to a place of understanding the work of God in their life. It's just my job to walk in faith and to pray. And so James here brings it to such a simple point of the prayer of a righteous person has great power as it's working. Now, what's James' whole premise? Faith without work is dead. So if you're not praying at all because you're just like, they're going to go do their own thing, then you're not working out your faith. They're not going to be saved because of your prayer. They're going to be saved because God's work in their life. But see, your job, my job is to work out that faith. And one of the ways we work it out is through prayer. Up to this point, James has given us many practical ways to reach out and physically do something, right? To help the poor, to stop working our tongue in an evil way, to not show partiality, to show love, to actually do physical ways, like physical ways to to work out our faith. Right now, he's challenging us to physically work out your faith through prayer, right? Through prayer. When I was in high school, I had this big old Toyota truck, this big lifted truck. I had this massive sticker on the back, back when Christian stickers were cool, and it said, "It said, it said real men fight on their knees in prayer. Right? It was huge. <laughs> My truck was always covered in mud, and there was this massive sticker in the back. And the idea is that we, we should be fighting on our knees in prayer. And not that we're saving that person, but we're trusting that God is hearing our prayers. We're trusting that God is working, and in that prayer, we're seeking the Lord so that, person, that God would work in that person's life. But it's not our job. James then gives us verse 17 and 18 as an example of Elijah. You guys, Elijah was a man just like you and I, right? He was human. He was sinful. He made mistakes. He wasn't perfect. He was just a prophet. Did he actually stop the rain? Was it him? No. Who stopped the rain? God. Yeah, the Lord, right? (laughs) The Lord. Uh, (laughs) God stopped the rain. Elijah didn't stop the rain, right? Elijah could have danced around and sacrificed and did everything he needed to do, but he couldn't have stopped that rain. God stopped the rain, and when he prayed, who brought the rain back? God. But see, God wanted Elijah, the Lord. God wanted Elijah to be a part of that, so He called Elijah to pray for it to be a part of that work. You See, you guys, the beautiful thing is, as we walk in faith, a true living faith as Christians, is that we get to be a part of God's work. We're not these like like lighthouses running around like like on wheels. We're a lighthouse which is stuck on the rock, foundational on the rock, can, can stand the, temp, the test of time. And we, we shine a light saying, hey, there's rocks there, like stay away from that, safety's this way. And that's our job, to be founded on the Lord. But it's our job to be founded in God. So that as we pray, as we seek Him, He's bringing us into His work in people's lives. How cool is that? That's God calling us into this. And this is that this practical thing that James is calling us to now, which is prayer. Verse nineteen, he kind of finishes this section and finishes the book, like I said, abruptly, by saying, My brothers, if anyone among you wanders from the truth, and if someone brings him back, let him know that whatever I'm sorry, whoever brings back a sinner from his wandering will save his soul from death and will cover a multitude of sins. Now, as James finishes this thought, he's saying, listen, my brothers, right, my brothers, my sisters, my fellow Christians, if anyone among you wanders from the truth and someone brings him back. Now, we talked about small groups, this backsliding, this term of backsliding. I have a a hard time with that word. It was very, it was very like Christianese when Eric and I were in youth group, it was backsliding, right? It was always this like, when was the last time you guys heard that term before tonight? Never. Yeah, from me. Okay. Yeah. (laughs) From me. Yeah. It makes sense. It's not used much to today's Christian talk, but like definitely when Eric and I were like we're in youth group, it was all about backsliding, right? Oh, they're backsliding. They saw an R-rated movie. They're backsliding, right? <laughs> <laughs> they're drinking monster energy drinks. They're backsliding, right? It was like, <laughs> um,
2: <laughs>
1: listening to non-Christian music. <laughs> okay, you guys, I have a trouble. I have, I have a hard time with that because it's not about it's not about naming and, and pointing out backsliding. It's not it's about looking to one another as, as Christians, as brothers and sisters and, and, and just being there for each other, just being there I mean in all honesty if you, if you guys know of someone in this youth group or another Christian that you love and care for and they're walking down a path that, that's causing them pain or others pain or, or they're, they're not like, seeking the Lord in what they're doing like, wouldn't it just be like by love and by grace and by your compassion to reach out to them and say hey like Come back this way. I love how James uses the word to wander, right? Like he's wandering away. He's not sliding away. Like back, when I think backside, I think like on a mountain and you're like sliding. You're like gone, right? But he's wandering. And how many of us in here tend to wander? We all do. Right? We all tend to wander. We, we wander on Instagram. We wander on social media. We wander on Spotify. We wander around the mall. We wander in... YouTube videos, right? Like, we all wander. Every one of us does. But see, the idea here is how many of us could reach out and talk to, like, the other person and say, listen, like, like this, is, this is what you're doing here. Like, I see the pain. I see, really? Come on, guys. <laughs> you big old long-legged man. Um, the idea here is that James, as he finishes this book, he's calling us to a more intimate relationship with each other knowing as he finishes there in verse 20, let him know that whoever brings back a sinner from his wandering will save his soul from death and will cover a multitude of sins. Now, this isn't about, in a sense, like losing your salvation. I'm not going to get into that tonight. But I've seen people who profess to be Christians, who look very Christian and can walk the walk and talk the talk. I've seen them make very bad choices in their life and wander from the Lord to a place of unconfession. Now, I'm not God. I'm not going to say they lost their salvation. I'm not going to say they never were Christians. I don't know. But I've seen people make this, right? I've seen seen people make this choice. I've seen people walk down this path many times through life. And maybe they've made that choice and they're just like, I'm going this way no matter what you say. But see, wouldn't it still be my job? Wouldn't it still be my place as their brother or their sister in Christ to reach out and say, hey, what you're doing, maybe you don't see it right now, but this is going to be a lot of pain and a lot of sorrow In love and in grace and in, in complete compassion. I'm reaching out to you because I don't want to see you go down that way. And as James finishes there by saying it covers a multitude of sin and saves their soul. You guys, again, this isn't just a, a, a spiritual, but it's a physical. I mean, how often do we see people go down those paths and it's just a life of physical torment? Maybe their soul saved, but man, they are just, they are physically tormenting themselves by making choices where they're hurting their mind and their body and, and destroying relationships around them. So I love how James finishes this. It's simple. It's real. It's practical. It creates community. It calls us to have a real living faith. Because think about it, guys. If we can't reach out to one another, if we can't be honest and real with one another, even within this youth group, within your D groups, within your small groups, like how are we expected to be any type of impact to the world around us? How, how can we express to someone we're talking to? Maybe it's the barista that's making your coffee that you're sharing your faith with. Or maybe it's someone within your school or your drama class or wherever your sphere of influence is, your job. And you're, they want to know about your Christian faith. And if you don't feel comfortable here, if you don't feel loved, if you don't feel taken care of and feel the compassion from your brothers and sisters, why would you want to invite them into it? I was talking to a guy the other day. Um, we're looking to hire a director for you know our, our children's ministry, and this guy called. He lives in Southern California, and I'm talking to him, and he goes, "How's the church? Like, how healthy is the church?" I said, "Well, I go, I go. I'm not going. You know, I was like, well, that's kind of a funny question, because like, of course we're going to tell you it's healthy." And he goes, "Well, yeah, anyone would say it's healthy." And I said, well, "Let me put it this way: You're, you've been married for 12 years." He goes, "Yeah, I, oh, you got three kids? He's got three little kids." He's like, "Yeah, I got three kids." I'm like. I'm being honest with you. I would not tell you to move here and, and like destroy your family for the sake of ministry. How's that? And unless this was a healthy place to move in a sense, like I feel healthy enough here. I feel secure enough here that I would invite anybody to this church because I feel like it is a church that can love them and, and show compassion to them. I feel comfortable talking to any kid and inviting him to this youth group because I know that you guys will be open to them and, and be loving to them that they won't feel like outcasts here. Hopefully. I look forward to our new eighth graders coming up to being freshmen because I know that even how awkward it may be, right? For even you new fresh was it too awkward for you guys? Yeah. A little bit, Lily? Yeah. She's like a little bit, but well, you're big brothers. Yeah. That's why. Yeah. No. Yeah. I mean, you did win that costume party. Yeah. That is pretty awesome. So, but the idea guys is that, that we want to be open. We want to be real. So James finishes it like this. Okay. Now, just to finish this book, guys. There's a couple points that I want to just remind you of as James calls us to to walk by faith and walk us real. And I'm going a little long, so just bear with me here. So the first main point of James, you're taking notes. Trials will come. How will you fare through the testing? Okay. Trials will come. How will you fare through the testing? Point number two, James tells us to walk the walk, not just talk the talk. It's pretty cool, huh? Point number three, James tells us to see people as Jesus sees them. What? Slow down? Number one, trials will come. How will you fare through the testing? Trials will come. How will you fare through the testing? Number two, walk the walk. Don't just talk the talk. Number three. See people of Jesus see them. Pretty simple, right? You guys can come up and take notes afterward. I'll have my iPad open. Alright, number four. <laughs> Strive to have real, a real living faith. Strive to have a real living faith. Don't just wake up tomorrow and go, well, it's out of my reach. I might as well just not even try. Strive to have a real living faith. Number five. <laughs> number five. What you do matters. So watch what you say and think before you act. What you do matters. So watch what you say and think before you act. Number six, understand the world we live in and the battle you're in. Understand the world that you live in and the battle that you're in as Christians. Number seven, the practicalities. The practicalities of living for today and within our means. The practicalities of living for today and within our means. And number eight, guys, learning how to grow in patience and prayer and faith. Learning how to grow in patience and prayer and faith. You can come up and, you can come up and, I'll, I'll get my iPad my I'm come up here. and can copy it. Living, <laughs> learning, how to, anyway. All right. Well, guys, if you have any questions, come talk to me afterward. Talk to your leaders about it. Uh, You guys finished the book of James. Good job. All right. Father, we come before you. We thank you so much for your grace and mercy as we just strive to walk by faith, God. And I just pray that this youth group would be known um, by a true living faith. Lord, we just thank you and praise in your name. Amen.
0: Calvary Monterey's youth ministries meet on Tuesday nights at 6.30 p.m. at Calvary Monterey. Both middle school and high school students are welcome. Come on out. You belong here. And I promise, we don't bite.